Welcome back. This is Robert Fleming. I'm one of the partners in the Tucson, Arizona elder law firm of Fleming and Curdy PLC. And one of the other partners, Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman, and I do this weekly podcast called Elder Law Issues. And oh, this is it. We're going to do Elder Law Issues, Elizabeth. I thought we would talk about trusts today. We draft a lot of trusts for people. We have, uh, we deal with a lot of family. Actually, I don't want to overstate it. We deal with a lot of families who do very well together, and we deal with a lot of family dysfunction. One of the issues that often comes up is how do I prevent my children or my beneficiaries from fighting about, uh, about my will and my trust? We've talked before about uh, what are called interorum clauses, dis- automatic disinheritances for anybody who contests a, a will or a trust. But I want to talk about other strategies. One of the problems, of course, with uh, no contest provisions is in order to make them effective, you have to leave some money to the person you're trying to disinherit. But one of the other big problems with no contest clauses is you often want to benefit the people who you think might be problematic, but you want them not to have fights with the trustee or the their sister or their brother who's going to act as personal representative. You want to try to make them play nice. Any ideas for how to do that? Well, Robert, I think that there, there are three big ideas that come to my mind in no particular order. One is you can consider being really careful about what you do when it comes to distributions from your trust, meaning don't try and be precious about giving one person a certain house and another person a certain carpet and another person a great 401k account. Don't be too precious about how you want to control the disposition of the assets in your trust. I see that family fights and friction often comes up when somebody has tried too much through the terms of their trust to actually control what's going to be distributed and makes real decisions about who gets what. When in fact, if somebody had just said, you know, I'd like to divide things equally among all of my children and let the trustee sort it out, it would take away some friction that can often go along with giving very specific types of assets to specific children. The other two things are, first of all, being thoughtful about how disputes may be resolved. Is it possible to include a provision around alternative dispute resolution, ADR provision, that would say if beneficiaries of the trust are going to contest the terms of the trust or have a dispute that the trustee may seek out, um, essentially an independent party to resolve the dispute rather than going into court. Well, sometimes that can seem kind of scary to beneficiaries and scare them out of having an argument. But I would say the third and and maybe most effective would be thinking about having an independent fiduciary who would be a private, uh, either an individual who has expertise in that area. You could have a fiduciary practice like Fleming and Curdy. Sometimes people look for larger corporate fiduciaries that might be big banks. But believe it or not, we oftentimes see that friction um, is reduced once you have an independent party who is managing a trust and in charge of distributing things. In fact, actually, the disgruntled beneficiaries can all agree on one thing. It's that they're pissed off at the independent (laughs) trustee. And uh, it's sometimes better the devil you know than the devil you don't. Well, one of the things that uh, you've heard me say this before, Elizabeth, but 
we we often say, I think you use the line as well, that that we at Fleming and Curdy, when we act as fiduciary, we often bring families together because they can all agree that that they don't like us. Uh, and, and that's not because we do a bad job. It's because we're doing a good job. It's because we're, uh, we're, we're taking the heat off of the, the child who would have gotten that, that negative feedback if they had acted as fiduciary. I want to talk a little bit about your first point um, because this, I think this is really something important to people who are planning. We see clients so often who think, oh, uh, my daughter doesn't have a house of her own, so she should have my house. And sometimes that works out, but I think our experience, I know mine is, and I suspect yours is the same, Elizabeth, that children who are left houses very seldom end up living in those houses. The house is a good house for the parent. Um, They may have lived in it a long time. They may have a lot of attachment to it, but it may be too much house or in the wrong place or need too much repair for the child. And so leaving a house to the child uh, so that they can live there just almost never works out. Is that your experience? Robert, you know what, that, that is a great observation. It seldom works out the way that somebody intended it to, let's put it that way. Yeah. So if you imagine having three children, you have a house and a retirement account and some cash, and they're roughly equal amounts. And so you think, oh, I'll leave the house to the daughter who needs some place to live. I'll leave the, retirement, leave the retirement account to the son who's never worked and therefore needs some retirement money. And I'll leave the cash to the person who's going to be the personal representative. Well, that's just a recipe for dispute and, and uh, disagreement among the three kids. So how do you do it? Otherwise, we could talk about the alternative dispute resolution. We could talk about somebody independent. But fundamentally, think about not trying to leave specific assets to specific people unless there's a really good reason for it. And Robert, I would say that it's not only leaving specific assets to specific people, but trying to exert control over how that distribution might work. For instance, rather than talking to the estate planner about what are the ways that you might protect a distribution going to a child who had Uh, poor money management skills, trying to manufacture some prospect to reduce spending or control the amounts that that child would be able to receive through sometimes very convoluted terms. We'll have people come into us and they'll bring us paragraphs of information about how one-third of 50% of the interest from the first year is supposed to be distributed to this child. But within, only if they go to an accredited university. Right, within five and a half months after That's somebody's right. death. Um, but it's important at that point in time that the child be able to show that she can manage money. I mean, it's it's stuff like that. So it's not only the particular object, account, asset, but it is the control over how the person wants that to be distributed. Yeah, absolutely. So if you if you uh, if you tell us that and and see that we're looking a little bit blankly at the page, it's because we're trying to think of how to write that down because it's a, such a convoluted idea. If if that's what you really want and you are really set on it, we will do it. But but we'll try to encourage you to just give the trustee some more discretion because the trustee is standing in for you. So imagine what you would do if the daughter that you were trying to encourage to do all these things 
did 75% of them or did one of them a little differently than you really imagined, would you say, oh, that's pretty close? Well, you ought to be able to leave the trustee the, the discretion to say, well, that's pretty close as well. I really like your alternative dispute resolution idea. That's a phrase that lawyers um, say a lot, and I don't think non-lawyers ever hear or say, but requiring that disputes be mediated or arbitrated, and and there's a difference between mediation and arbitration, of course. A mediator is trying to get everybody to come together. An arbitrator is deciding without going to court. Um, but uh, but either or both can work in wills and trusts as a way to reduce conflict. And most importantly, as you intimate, just the existence of a mechanism can discourage the family from having the dispute in the first place. Because so often people will say, well, yeah, I just don't want to go into court. That's expensive. Well, I'll tell you, it may not be as expensive as it might be to go to court to go through the process of working with an arbitrator but there is a whole different level for some people of risk and for others of um, lack of control actually when you go to to have one person make a decision um, about how a dispute will be resolved i mean it can be a great solution it can um you know kind of scare the fight out of people absolutely and your last suggestion don't forget, there are people, including Fleming and Curdy, people and organizations who act as fiduciary, and uh, and that can be a way to reduce friction in the family. Um, it can focus everybody on what they want to, to have happen rather than, than on whether they have been burdened with the task of, of uh, managing your estate or dissed by not being named. It, uh, it gets your children out of the mom always liked you best loop and uh, and allows the the management to happen professionally we're not the right answer for everybody but um, but some independent fiduciary is often the right answer and yes there's a charge for it but uh, but it's often money well spent and um, and and not having the professional fiduciary may ultimately be more expensive in a lot of cases I guess maybe the final suggestion, it's not really a fourth suggestion, it's an overlay for all of them, is talk this through with us when you come in to to uh, to do your estate plan. Don't just blithely assume that you should name your oldest daughter because she's the oldest and that you should identify which assets go to everybody, but instead talk about what it is that you actually want to happen and how you want your children or other family members or other beneficiaries to remember you and how important that is to you, we're really uh, eager to have those conversations with you. Yes? Yes, absolutely, Robert. All right, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to us. I'm Robert Fleming. I've been talking with Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman. We're two of the partners at the Tucson, Arizona elder law firm of Fleming and Curdy PLC. This is Elder Law Issues, our weekly podcast, and, uh, and we hope you'll join us again next week. Thanks.